Welcome to the podcast Sagacious IP Tech Talks with Sumit Prasad of Sagacious IP. This is a -a one-of-its-kind podcast focused on learning and sharing experiences of both intellectual property tool developers and their users from different industry verticals in their pursuit to uncover new age tools and technologies that shape the future of global intellectual property practice. Hear from tool developers and service providers, IP attorneys and partners, in-house IP counsels and IP practitioners to understand how AI, machine learning, robotic process automation, big data analytics, cloud computing, blockchain, and many other technologies affect the next generation of IP practices. So let's get into the podcast with your host, Sumit. Welcome to today's episode of Sagacious IP Tech Talks. Our guest for today is uh, Mr. Samuel Davis from Tokyo, Japan, CEO and founder at Amplified AI. Sam began his career uh, working at London IP in 2010 and helped new businesses and markets for them. He was instrumental in establishing and growing their Japanese search branch and also in developing their IP strategy consulting businesses. Through these experiences, he worked closely with Fortune 500 corporate R&D firms, IP departments, and leading patent law firms. In 2015, Sam began working with tech startups and angel investing in deep learning uh, technology companies before founding Amplified AI in 2017. So let's take this conversation forward with Sam and learn from his experience of leading and developing AI tools for IP industry. Hi, Sam. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, Sumit. Thanks for having me. So let's start by uh, our customary question of uh, knowing your journey of starting Amplified AI and more importantly, how you landed up uh, on this product vision. Yeah. um, So I kind of came into IP a little bit as uh, an outsider uh, working at Landon IP, where uh, when I joined, we were really focused on selling patent uh, research services and then later expanded more into analytics and landscaping. And through the process of setting up the Japanese um, office for them and and selling that service, uh, I had to get very involved in a lot of the operational work as well and sort of found that there was a lot of valuable, useful information in patents, but it was just really time consuming and costly to go get in and pull those insights out. Um, So that was something that always kind of bothered me was um, how, how much opportunity was there, but how difficult it was to get and wanted to find a way to make that more efficient, make that easier. And sort of when I ran into deep learning technology, um, the dots started connecting and one thing led to another. And here I am uh, with Amplified AI now. So what are the major benefits that your customer gets from your platform? Uh, being a search uh, platform, I can envision that it's it's more about searching, but what are the other benefits that they get um, uh, from this platform using their, uh, their, working on their searches here? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I think when people hear AI, the immediate assumption is oh, it's going to be cost, kind of efficiency, automation, and in the case of searching, um, I don't think that's the biggest benefit. It's definitely one benefit, but really the thing that our customers get um, is one, they, they find things that they wouldn't have found otherwise, which in really important situations, especially, you know, that can kind of pay for the cost of the entire tool on its own. But it also goes a bit further with having more information at your fingertips allows faster and better decision-making. And the biggest thing we hear from our customers is that it's all about speed. Um, 
the competition is, is really intense for innovation, building new products. And what we found is the people that like Amplified the most are the teams that are really passionate about building things and they want to be able to move faster. So can you name some customers and uh, let us know how they measure their ROI when they are using Amplified? Can you explain us through any case study or success story? Yeah, um, we've got uh, a few on our website, actually, some logos as well as some case studies, uh, if, if anyone wants to go and kind of uh, read all of the details there. <clears throat> but um, just I'll give a couple examples. Um, one is uh, there's a, a pretty big company that connects, uses Amplified to kind of connect their IP and their R&D teams more closely together. So they've moved the patent searching task much further forward in the kind of uh, innovation cycle really to the like concept idea stage, trying to get that information early on. Um, and one of the you know pieces of feedback we had from them is um, even just in a three or four month period, they found multiple examples of active research they were working on that had already been done five or even 10 years before. And so when they found the patents filed by their competitors, um, obviously that meant they were wasting their time and, and resources on the current research and they could just build on top of that and move forward. So uh, for them, it's kind of innovation um, velocity is something that they try to, to measure and improve on using Amplified. Um, a different kind of example um, that I can share, and uh, this is more of a law firm example, um, and is kind of with client engagement and providing better service. Uh, we have some collaboration features in Amplified. So the uh, we have some of the law firms using us uh in particular one japanese firm uh they connect with their clients in amplified to make the discussion a little more dynamic a little bit more ongoing so instead of just having one meeting they hear from the inventor about the filing and then they kind of go do their job and come back it's easier to ask questions they can kind of find things using amplified's ai search and then use that as a way to frame some discussion with the inventor. Like, what about this? How would you think about this? And it lets them build a better relationship, but also ultimately file a better patent. And all this information is sandboxed, I mean, between customer and the attorney. Yeah, that's one of the really important things uh, in kind of how we've designed and developed the tool. And we've been really fortunate to have a lot of feedback from the IP community to help us do this in a way that you know, protects information security, protects data, ensures privacy. So there's a lot of controls there, but yeah, exactly. It's all sandboxed. Okay. Okay. So when you're talking to new potential customers, what are the objections that you receive from them? What are the challenges that you, you know, come across and you, you often stumble upon answering to those questions? Is there anything which is still open? Yeah. Um, it really depends on who we're talking to. So just a bit of context is we we work with a lot of different types of sort of personas in the market. So we have customers that are search, you know, traditional kind of search teams. We have small businesses where it's, they don't even have an IP team and they have external counsel. We have law firms, we have big corporate R&D. So in terms of objections, when we're talking to kind of a more traditional team, uh, especially a team of searchers who, you know, they already have tools, they know how to use them, they have a process. Uh, the objection really there is, uh, even if Amplified gives me great results and it gives it to me faster than I could get otherwise, uh, my end user, whether that's internal or external, my client needs a search history because that's sort of how I validate the effort and the work that I did. And I think we'll see that change over time. 
um, as these tools become more accepted. But that's something that, you know, we don't, there is no traditional kind of Boolean string search history that tells you, you know, this is what I looked at uh, in Amplified. There's just a list of, you know, here's what I've reviewed. So uh, for the traditional teams, that can be um, one of the challenges that they have. The other obstacle that we're, we're hearing is uh, more from the corporate side is just tool fatigue. There's been an explosion of tools in the past, even just a couple of years. And it's, it's ironic, you know, oh, we want to get AI tools so we can get more information and we can be more efficient. But the teams that have to use this information now, instead of searching in, you know, it used to be two tools, maybe three. Now they have like five or six tools and they have to go check across all of them. And it's actually takes more time uh, and, and is also just very distracting. It's really hard to do a search when you're changing between different interfaces and different screens. So that can be one of the sort of challenges is there's a, a feel that there's not any more, there's not one tool that you can really rely on for everything. You're either stuck with kind of a legacy tool that doesn't give you all of the new things and you're worried about getting left behind, or you're using all of the new tools, but you're just really struggling to keep up with so many out there. Interesting, interesting. Uh, coming to the, your first objection, so uh, I, I have often heard this term like they don't want a black box uh, present in their flow or in their overall uh, you know, process that doesn't give them control how their search is working. So uh, how are you gaining trust of customers um, on this uh, model or this how or, or do you have some mechanism how you can give control back to customers how they can train the uh, model and they can be more uh, you know, rel reliant on the model for the results rather than just saying, okay, this is something which has you know, given out of um, some algorithms, which I really don't have access to. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question uh, because, you know, it's, it's, it's really all about peace of mind, right? Like the end of the day, um, how comfortable do I feel with my results? And if you don't feel comfortable, then you have to go and, and search again anyway. So it, the, the black box objection is uh, fascinating. I heard it all the time when we were first getting started and I almost never hear it anymore. Uh, I see it come up sometimes at kind of conferences, but we don't hear it directly. I haven't had a customer bring that up or a prospect bring that up in uh, well over a year, maybe even two years at this point. And I, I'm, I think part of that might just be the industry, sort of the market changing. Part of it is also how we've designed Amplified to get around this um, or really to uh, address this because it was something that we had as our own concern going in. We made a few design choices that are uh, really critical to, to Amplified. One is our AI never... Uh, brings down the scope kind of behind the scenes. So when you put in an AI query, we return to you the entire database. We're just sorting it. So that removes the fear that what if I miss something? Because a lot of the other tools kind of, they have to, they have to throw out some data in order to give you a result. So we don't throw anything out. But then the second part of it is the interface that we've built to allow you to then navigate that information is very intuitive, but it gives you a lot of control. Um, I, we had one um, automotive, multinational automotive company tell us, uh, you know, this tool really puts me in the driver's seat, which I thought was very, very funny that they use that language. Um, but it's, it's we, we've kind of combined some of the Boolean 
keyword type searching that you know what you get with that. If you put in a word and you expect to get matches back, you can see that. And by combining that with the AI and then allowing the user to save results and retrain the AI, we sort of deliver a very iterative experience where you do feel in control throughout the whole thing. It doesn't feel like a black box. It's like driving a car. If you, if you push on the gas, you know that it goes forward. And so you can then learn how much to push on the gas. You know, nobody, nobody learns to drive a car by reading like, you know, push seven degrees to go this much fat. That's not how you do it. You just kind of experience it. And so, so that's what we've tried to build. Interesting. And in, it's interesting to know that you are seeing a reduction in this kind of objection. So uh, is it due to the, uh, the knowledge leveling of industry? Like people are not more aware of these models and they don't question uh, the efficacy of the model. Uh, is there more uh, acceptance of these uh, models due to acceptance of uh, AI in general in other technologies as well in, in, in broader spectrum of technology. If you see AI is being used in autonomous driving, if, if some uh, AI machine learning uh, model gives you a heads up of a, a, a heads up in the in diagnosis of a cancer. So people are not going to question uh, how that uh, model has worked. It has given you an output which is actionable enough. Now you can take that uh, output and you know, work towards it. So it, is it due to the increased awareness of the technology overall that has led to increased acceptance in the IP community as well? Yeah, I think that's a big, a big part of it is just becoming more comfortable with it. Also, I think there's a recognition now that um, the the AI-based searching is going to be the way of the future for at least some situations. And the I think the black box objection really came more out of um, an attachment to the search history kind of concept more than anything else. And as, as people have thought more about what do I want to get from AI? What am, why am I buying an AI tool? What is my goal? Um, I think you get naturally just reach the conclusion that, that you've kind of just said, which is, we want results. It doesn't matter, you know, have you searched everything or not? What areas did you look in? You know, there are some situations where that might be important, but in most situations, look, if you, if you get the result that kills the patent, good. If you, you know, find something that tells you that your R and D direction is going the wrong way before you've invested, you know, two years and $5 million, good. You know, that's all helpful and useful. And so I think just appreciating that process, um, sort of the shift has been, well, let's get the information into the right people's hands. Let's get it there sooner. And look, if they think they need more, you can always ask. You can always go and say, let's go and, you know, ask the internal search team or let's outsource, you know, this search and get another opinion. You can always go further, but the AI ensures that you're getting the maximum, you know, benefit back for the amount of time you invest. And you can invest just 10 minutes now and get a lot of really valuable insights. So there's really no reason not to. Yep, yep. So talking about these uh, cost models that we were, uh, know, that uh, people do look at when, when they're talk, talking about adopting AI model, do you anticipate any change in the overall cost model scenario of AI searches? Right now, it, it is mostly in all the you know, search vendors, they are charging per search. So do you see that this will uh, evolve into per login or per, uh, I don't know, per access based, per user access based model where uh, people can have it and they can search indefinitely for a, any number of uh, you know, hits uh, that they, they, they can do in the, in the search model. 
Yeah, um, it's a, that's an interesting question. And, and we've thought a lot about price and had a lot of conversations about sort of pricing models. And I, I can tell you, at least for Amplified, we've already been forced to do that. Um, some of our very, very large customers, uh, they can't predict the volume of searches that they need, uh, but they can definitely predict headcount. Um, and so we've already moved um, largely in that direction. We still have a lot of customers that love the volume model because if you're smaller, it's usually more more efficient. You only pay for what you need. Um, and we're happy to keep offering that because, you know, I think it's great that, you know, more people can get access. Yeah. But for the bigger customers, they need, they need a little bit more predictability, visibility. And so the kind of per head, you know, get as much searching as you need uh, has been something we've done. We've also, where we're kind of seeing some changes happen in pricing now is actually more towards some of the collaboration and knowledge base aspects of Amplified. So as our as our customers uh, use Amplified more, one of the things that they come back and, and tell us about, um, and this will actually be in a, in a post we put on our, our website soon about one of our customer stories, uh, they find that the information is easy enough to search that they want the inventors to do the first round of searching themselves. And so they're trying to then find ways to help uh, show the inventors that, hey, that this patents are, are they're valuable. You should look at them, but also here's how you can look at them and how easy it is. So we've started allowing um, kind of viewer users to be added for free so they can start to share information more easily with those types of users who wouldn't traditionally be using a search tool. Um, but then we've also added um, these kind of knowledge-based features where you add your uh, interpretation or your comments, your kind of summary, more non-technical or non-legal uh, language, just describing the technology, adding these comments directly to to the patents, and then being able to share those with people, look them up again, and kind of build a team knowledge base. And so we have some some pricing that ends up kind of, if that's what you want, there's some pricing that's available for you. Uh, if that's not something you use, then you know you don't need to pay uh, extra for it. And I think this this kind of features would allow a widespread adoption of these kind of tools, so that uh, it's not only confined to the uh, to the search team, but also to the R and D folk and who who is going to actually consume that data once the search is done. So uh, really, uh, that's an interesting feature that you have added. So we last year, yeah, and that's what I'm most excited about with with AI is is more people getting access to to patent data. That's kind of yeah, that's why a big reason why we started Amplified was to expand and kind of democratize access here. And I, I think that's really the true power of AI more than you know efficiency and things of that nature. Yes, yes, agreed. We we last year I think we saw uh, Amplified introducing in, in invalidity search in their you know uh, in their product portfolio. So. Oh, is there any other type of search that you are trying to add or what's the future of this platform? What should we expect from Amplified in the next two to three years? Apart from the features that you described. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, look, I think it kind of goes on um, what we were just talking about with, you know, more accessibility to the data as, as the patent data, you know, as kind of the walls lift and it gets easier for non-experts to access and use that information. I think we're going to see new people using it in new ways. Um, and so a lot of our kind of future features are going to be really about empowering that community to do things with the data that um, are kind of new. So, you know, I, I look at kind of Boolean logic and see how on one hand, Boolean logic turned, you know, patent searching kind of into a, a whole industry that didn't really exist before. 
On the other hand, it kind of cut off regular people from patent data. And if you look back before Boolean logic, it was much more common and, and useful to look at patent information and get kind of technology and competitive intelligence out of it. So I, I think a lot of our, our features are going to be about taking all of the advances in machine learning and data science and allowing people to, to do that without having to become data scientists themselves. Um, so making it easier to, you know, do everything from searching to classifying patents, to sharing information, to summarizing. Um, and, you know, we, we make, we make a lot of, uh, new features, uh, pretty quickly. We've released a new AI model, uh, just about every year since we started. So you will see more things coming like this as well. Um, I can't uh, talk about it yet, but we've got some, some more AI, uh, research, uh, that's pretty close to being ready to release. So there'll be some things like that coming as well. In terms of in terms of search directions, I mean, I would like to know if uh, we are going to see FTO search uh, a feature in there, uh, a more like a landscape or analytics kind of uh, search to be done. If we, I don't want to really talk about a specific invention, I just want to know about an industry. Uh, so, are, are those things in the pipeline? Yeah, those are kind of the two biggest things coming. Um, FTO already, we have some beta kind of uh, customers doing that now with some pretty good feedback from it. Um, we've added a, a feature that helped a lot with that, where you can upload data from other sources into one place and then kind of organize it together, which is, has been instrumental in the FTO side. And um, on the kind of sort of, it, it's not exactly landscaping um, in the way that that you might traditionally think of it, but sort of the, the pre-invention kind of idea phase with ideation, uh, that's something that we have. Now making it easier to kind of very, very quickly visualize and understand a field so that you can sort of plan a research strategy around that or plan a new product. Um, so almost like a, more like a mini kind of a miniature landscape oh, somewhere. State of the art kind of analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of almost in between that and a, a novelty search where you don't really have it as well defined and you're not looking quite as broadly as a landscape, but. Um, you are kind of trying to just get a sense of what's out there, what are the products, what are the technologies. Interesting, interesting. Uh, we look forward to those features uh, soon in Amplified. So uh, coming uh, to your experience of bringing this tool to market, any message you want to give to IP community at large uh, about, uh, uh, about how they should uh, go about using the IP tools or if they are exploring IP tools for their business processes, what factors they should uh, consider to adapt this, not just to try it out, to adapt it and bring it into their you know, mainstream workflows? Yeah, that's uh, it's an interesting kind of difficult question, but uh, I would say my, my main uh, advice is really figure out what you want from an AI tool. Uh, I've seen a lot of companies that uh, want an AI tool because they hear a lot about AI and want to kind of try them. Um, and I, I would encourage uh, everyone to kind of, if you're going to spend the money on even just trying a tool, uh, know what you want and give it enough time to really uh, try the tool uh, fully because it, it does take some time uh, to really figure out how it's going to fit into your kind of process and how you want to use that new tool. So, you know, don't just think of it on your own, ask around, talk to others, get a sense of what's possible, what other people are doing, what kinds of, you know, uh, processes they're changing and 
you know, that's ultimately, I think the really big impact from new technology comes when a new technology enables a new process. So uh, kind of keep that in mind <laughs> as you think about this. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Sam. Thank you for inspiring situations and uh, and, uh, situ uh, and the scenarios that you uh, described. Uh, it was really uh, important for us to understand your perspective when you are talking about AI, how you envision it from the product other side of the tool so that we the listeners can relate to it. I'm sure the insights that you have shared to our listeners will help them in making their decision uh, about IP tools and how they can go about you know, experimenting uh, with these tools to enhance their processes. Uh, for now, that's uh, brings us to the end of this podcast. Uh, stay, stay safe and stay tuned for the next episode. Till then, take care. Thank you, Sam, once again for being on the episode today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast Sagacious IP Tech Talks with your host, Sumit Prasad from Sagacious IP. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate it and listen to more episodes in the series. For more information about Sagacious IT for IP initiative and IP tools in general, write to us at info at sagaciousresearch.com. Please do note that the contents of this podcast were intended for general informational purposes only. The views of the guests and the host were their personal views and do not represent Sagacious IP. The facts of every legal, business, or technical matter are unique, and the content of this podcast should not be considered as offering legal, business, or technology advice for your specific situation.